Welcome to America's Heroes Group podcast with information and resources that's disseminated intentionally to empower our military population with host Vietnam veteran Cliff Kelly, co-host Iraq veteran Colonel Dr. Damon Arnold, and co-host Army National Guard veteran Sean Claiborne. And now, America's Heroes Group podcast. Good afternoon, and welcome to America's Heroes Group Roundtable with partner Veteran Healthcare Policy Institute. April is Sexual Assault and Autism Awareness Month. It's Saturday, April 30th, 2022. I am co-founder, Vietnam veteran, and host Cliff Kelly. Yes, the iconic Cliff Kelly. And I have his co-host, Colonel Dr. Damon Arnold. (laughs) Our executive producer is Glenda Smith. And our digital media producer is the impeccable Ivan Ortega of Scouts Honor Productions. And we have Jada in the the booth helping us out, doing a good job. And today we have a partner with us, Suzanne Gordon of VHPI, the veterans partner uh, that is really making uh, making a difference in what we're doing. So the Veteran Health Care Policy Institute is uh, doing a work every day on our behalf. So the VHIP uh, senior policy analyst and her work expands over decades, uh, reporting on health care programs, workers, policy, and has also, she has or- edited and authored 21 uh, books. <laughs> uh, but Suzanne has written two books, and they are entitled The Battle for Veterans Health Care and Wounds of War. Make sure you pick these books up and read them. They are excellent. Uh, they give you a great outline of what is going on in this arena. Uh, our discussion today will be a continuation, part two, air commission. So I am so happy to have you here, Suzanne. I know we always run out of time when we talk to you. <laughs> so how are you oh, doing yeah, today? Oh, <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Great. So tell us about this. Um, well, we, we began the conversation last week, and... Um, you know, this is a, 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 a booby trap that was set for the VA, a whole bunch of booby traps, um, ambushes, whatever. You know, I wasn't in the military, so I don't know the lingo here. But um, the basically the Trump administration, whose goal was to privatize the VA entirely, um, essentially created this thing called the VA Mission Act of 2020 of 2018 and it 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 contained it, it radically accelerated the outsourcing of veteran care to the private sector which is a, a really not very good idea because private sector providers doctors etc don't really know a lot about veterans who represent a very small portion veterans about 6% of the american population and va patients about 3% of, of the American patient population. And um, in the Mission Act contains something called the Asset and Infrastructure Review Commission, which is uh, like the base closing, like the DOD's base closing commission, where basically the, the uh, VA secretary who Trump hoped would be a Trump VA secretary committed to the program of dismantling the VA um, would they would collect data on VA 
patience and capacity and also private sector capacity and recommend um, modernizing, realigning, closing. Modernizing really in this world is a, is a word for closing or messing up. And um, they would make recommendations about facility changes, transformations, closures, and then the president would um, accept them or not and send them to Congress where they would be voted on in an up or down vote. So nobody could say, wait a minute, you're doing this to Jesse Brown. We don't like that. You, you have to vote up or down for the whole list. Mm-hmm. And the secretary has uh, – Trump hired consultants to mm-hmm. um, conduct the market assessments. And the consultants, we don't really know whether they were guided to do this or – directed to do this or whether they were just incompetent. I mean, I think something like over $100 million was spent on this process, which has produced, according to many critics and also the Government Accountability Office, um, very flawed recommendations. The data was, was so flawed that really it's it's useless. And But nonetheless, rather than Saying that and showing real leadership, Secretary Dennis McDonough, VA Secretary, went ahead and made a bunch of recommendations which would outsource huge amounts of veteran care to the private sector, close at least 60 hospitals, many of them in rural areas. Um, There's a promise that he's going to rebuild a lot of super community clinics, but it would require an allocation of over $220 billion from Congress. And at the rate that Congress allocates money to VA infrastructure improvement, that would take, let's see, it, it, they need $220 million and Congress allocates about $3, million, $3 billion, excuse me, $220 billion and Congress allocates about $3 billion a year. Do the math. How many years would that take? Right. Right. Um, I'm not good at math. You are, you know. Yeah, but, you know, one thing, too, you know, you bring up a good point because uh, one of the questions I have is that, you know, if we look at, um, you know, the the congressional body itself, there are two kind of points I want to make, and I'm going to ask you about it, is that, um, you know, they're, they're sort of exempted from insider trading, right? They're exempted from a lot of things that are going on um, on the financial market. They're getting funding for their campaigns from contributors from private sector. So I'm not sure if there's an ethical component here of whether they're pushing money into a private sector that's supporting them personally. And then, the oh, sec- I completely. Yeah, <laughs> go ahead. And the second. Oh, and the second is, you know, is this going to cost more by going to the private sector? Because I thought the reason why we had a VA was to save money for the taxpayers? Yeah, these are such great questions. And um, the first question is, yes, since 2014 and since the, the, the privatization of the VA and, and the, the, the healthcare industry, the pharmaceutical industry got that, um, and then the, not only the healthcare industry, like hospitals like Rush or or, you know, the Cleveland Clinic or whatever, but also just mom-and-pop claims adjusters, you know, who want to bilk veterans of money to, to, to um, mm-hmm. you know, to, to process their claims, which 
really should Jasper's, Jasper Craven's been doing a lot of work on this and should probably be the subject of another show. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there's all kinds of little groups that, you know, would like to teach veterans to play golf or take them horseback riding mm-hmm. or on wilderness <laughs> treks. Mm-hmm. And they see, you know, dollar signs yes. in the privatization of the VA. So you have all kinds of people from the biggest healthcare corporations and private equity firms, which now run a lot of healthcare, to you know, these kind of mom-and-pop people that are calling their congressmen and saying, oh, you know, but if we take, you know, Joe Smith on a on a wilderness outing, um, you know, his PTSD will go away in 10 minutes, you know, oh, which uh, actually right. the studies don't show. <laughs> no. And so we've seen a huge amount of um, increase in the funneling of, of campaign contributions to members of the House and Senate Veterans Affairs Committee who usually really didn't, you know, they these committees were actually not very sought-after assignments because you couldn't get money because nobody was interested because it was it was all the public funds. And now they realize, whoops, we can get money. You know, we can get our hands on 90, you know, part of this 90 billion, 100 billion, 200, whatever it is. And so, yes, that's an answer to your first question. So these yeah. these mm-hmm. people who are, you know doing we're supposed to be doing the bidding of veterans and taking care of veterans are really taking care of their own careers increasingly and you know joe manchin is a huge um recipient of of money uh, a lot of these folks are mm-hmm. and it's i think tester john tester has a lot of hospital industry mm-hmm. campaign money he's the chair of the the Senate Veterans of Cares Committee and so forth. So this is um, bipartisan gouging. <laughs> so it's bi- exactly, exactly bipartisan gouging. And mm-hmm. oh my God, I forgot what the second question was. What was? Oh, the, the second, second one was actually about the. Um, so you know the financial we're, we're losing money and that kind of thing. You really answered yes. This. Oh, yes. I'm so glad. Okay. Yes. So essentially, what's happening is we're losing money in two interesting ways. The first and very obvious way is that more and more of the veteran health care, clinical care budget, up, it's now up to 20%. Mm-hmm. It's increased between 350 and 500% in the last three years. It's now going wow. to private sector profiteering. Wow. And we know that, you know, it's way more expensive to take care of people in a fee-for-service system than it is when people are on salary and every little, you know, <laughs> test isn't a ka-ching, 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 you know? And so, and and there is basically, you know, most people in America are, when they're insured or they're in a health system like Kaiser, there's a lot of utilization review. And so there's, a, you know, many physicians and nurses and people feel quite irritated by this. But, and, and a lot of, there's a lot of care denial, but, um, but, there's a lot of there's there's utilization review so you can't just go wherever you want to get care at whatever cost you want whatever time you want for however many sessions you want you know there there's review of this in the VA there's essentially no utilization review there's a lot of scandalous billing practices on the part of the private sector which upcodes all the time to, to make yes. it seem like they're doing things that are worth more money when they're not doing anything at all. You know, a, a classic. I mean, this. I remember one time meeting 
a doctor in the hall of a hospital where I was going for something else, and I stopped to chat with him, and he asked how I was, and I said, fine, and I got billed for that. Oh, I mean, kidding. literally. Oh, my God. No, I am not kidding. I, could I invent something like this? No. <laughs> oh, I mean, you know, it's like your lawyer. That's... I mean, I once had a lawyer who, you know, you know, lawyers, they start the clock. There's some computer program. The minute you say hello, it starts the clock. And I remember one time my lawyer billed me for something wrong, and and I told him, you know, and he said, oh, you know, call so-and-so or do something and they charged me for the call about the billing the wrong billing you know and then i had to call about that i mean you know but um (laughs) but it's all about billable hours right and and um and so obviously you have a huge amount of money going to an uncontrolled unaccountable private sector doing anything they want recommending you know, all kinds of things that may not be necessary or, you know, every test under the sun. And that that costs more. In the VA, if you have shoulder surgery and you need a, a, a pulmonary or a cardiac clearance, you know, Damon, you can perhaps explain this to, to the listeners. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, in the VA, your primary care doc does that, and it's not a – each thing isn't a separate charge. In the private sector – That's right. You know, it's a separate charge. And so That's right. the cash register is ringing. Every time they send you to a referral. <laughs> yeah. And so obviously it's clear why the why it's cannibalizing more and more of the VA budget. But the other way it's cannibalizing the VA budget, which is really interesting, mm-hmm. is that you're, if you, you know, veterans have been told that they can have a choice that they can kind of have their cake and eat it, that they can have their network, their VA healthcare system, whenever they want, you know, if they are eligible. And they can also go anywhere they want, whenever they want, and the, and, and the VA system won't be compromised. Well, what's happening is if you maintain the buildings and, the you know, your fixed costs, you know, the, the heat, the electricity, the pipes, the water, the maintenance and also the labor costs. So you're maintaining this system, this comprehensive system to serve veterans so it's there when they want it, and then Mm -hmm. you're allowing them to not use it, right? right? So, you know, your surgeon is still being paid. Your mental health professional is still being paid. Your primary care doc is still being paid, even though you're not going to him or her because you're going out into the community into the yeah. private sector. So mm. what mm. is happening is yeah. the cost per patient of care at the VA is going up because people are paying for it twice. Yes, yes. So you, and, and you may be repeat, repeating unnecessary tests. And, yeah. Well, not, not to mention <laughs> that. Yeah. But mm-hmm. yeah. you can't, you know, there's no healthcare system in, a, in the world, not, not just in America, that allows you to go out of network whenever you want. Kaiser doesn't pay, you know, Kaiser's the the most comparable system to the VA. Kaiser doesn't pay for you to go to UCSF or Sutter or Pacific, you know, uh, California Pacific Medical Center. 
if you're a Kaiser enrollee, you go to Kaiser. If you cannot get something at Kaiser, some incredibly fancy schmancy thing, then maybe they'll pay for you to go out of network. But if you want to go out of network to get a second opinion, if you want to go out of network because it's more convenient or whatever, you have to pay out of pocket. Same is true if you're in a you know preferred provider organization. Yeah. You want to see a doc or a, a PT or whatever who isn't in that network, you have to pay out of pocket. Well, vets want something that nobody else can have, and the reason why nobody else can have it is because it's not sustainable. Mm-hmm. You know, and basically that's what's happening with the VA. And, and and so we're seeing the cost per patient of VA care go up because the same labor costs and fixed costs are being divided by a smaller number of patients. Well, and eventually Congress is going to say, excuse me, guys and women and whatever, mm-hmm. you know, um, um, we, we're not doing this anymore. We maybe, can't maybe, afford maybe, this. Maybe you're answering my question before I ask it, because that's what mm-hmm. I was getting around to. Yeah, was yeah, saying, yeah, yeah. yeah, what do we do? Obviously, there's a problem here. What needs to be done to correct it? Well, I think the secretary needs to hear from every veteran in America, and I think the mm-hmm. secretary needs to be shamed and he needs to be saying why are you killing the VA healthcare system why are you advocating the destruction of 60 VA hospitals and 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 medical centers why are you closing rural hospitals and adding to the rural healthcare crisis why are you closing down a system that delivers more health equity to African-American veterans and veterans people of color? Why are you dismantling a women's health system that was built over decades to serve women veterans? Shame on you. Yeah, you know, because what you're saying is another correlate, uh, correlate to that, and we've spoken about this before on, on shows, is the idea that um, if you close down the VA system, you also have the, you know, the uh, disconnection with disability uh, claims, with the uh, you know for veteran service organ- organizations, the VSOs, and also you know you have uh, veterans' homes where people are living, where they would otherwise be homeless. Um, oh yeah, you know you're going to send them into these unscrupulous, you know, system of 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 um, substance abuse. Uh, clinics that are that are horrible and yeah. and homeless, you know, uh, SROs, single residency, occupational hotels that are poorly run, mm-hmm. and you know this is going to have a huge impact on minority veterans because minority veterans or people of co- veterans who are people of color uh, represent about twenty one percent of mm-hmm. VA patients. So VA patients represent about. Um, Three percent of the patient population. Yeah, you know, so twenty-one percent of VA patients are people of color, which means point five seven percent of the American patient population. The VA bends over backwards. Maybe it hasn't done enough, but it bends over backwards to help people of color, African American veterans. Do you think that Mm -hmm. other healthcare systems where veterans of color are 0.5% 0.5% of their patients are going to care about 0.5% of their patients? Right, right. That's 0.5, a, I mean, not 0.5. 5, yeah. point. Yeah, 
And, and women veterans, seven women veterans are, are seven percent of the VA patient population. For seven percent of the VA patient population, um, they have constructed an entire separate healthcare system. Women veterans out there in the in the regular world will represent um, about one point one point one nine percent of patients. Yeah, we know, we know, Suzanne, we always have this incredible discussion, and we're running, we're out of time now, but I, I you know, I love talking to you because you always make me think about 50 more questions, <laughs> which is a good thing, which is a great thing. Yeah, she does. <laughs> and right. so America's Heroes Group Roundtable with partner VHPI, Veteran Health Care Policy Institute. You are on the case. You're making the, uh, the, making the case for veterans to get engaged. Get in contact with the secretary of the VA system and also your congressional members to make sure they're supporting you and your families. Thank you, Suzanne, again. And we're going to be moving on to a commercial break. Uh, I want everyone to stay here. We have an exciting show coming up. And uh, stay with us. AHG will be back in a moment. Thank you for listening to America's Heroes Group Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss an episode. And for more details, visit americashg.org.